Hey there! Welcome to The Writing Cabin with Tara Benner. I'm author Tara Benner, and this is my cabin. We all need to escape into story from time to time, so come on in, sit down by the fire, have a nice hot cup of coffee with me, and let's talk books. This is a very special episode of the show because this week is launch week of Hunter's Witch. So later in the episode, we're going to be doing a special fireside chat all about Hunter's Witch, book five in my Witches of Mountain Shadow series. Don't worry though, I will be sure to give a spoiler warning before we begin so you can turn off the podcast if you haven't read the book yet. But first, I would like to give a special shout out to Catherine, who is coming up on her one year anniversary of patronage. She has been part of our Patreon family for an entire year at this point. So Catherine, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. If you don't know, I create a brand new short story every single month for my patrons over at Tara Benner Labs. I also produce a monthly video diary where I chat with you about what I'm working on. If you'd like to join our Patreon family, you can support me and my work for just $2 a month at patreon.com forward slash Tara Benner Labs. All right, this week's featured book is Ether Witch, book one in Witches of Mountain Shadow. And of course, I'm plugging this book this week because it is the release of book five. And so if you haven't started that series yet, now is the perfect time to do it. You can get all caught up before the final book comes out. And if you're coming to me because you love one of my dystopian series like The Fringe or Lawless or my sci-fi series, Elderon, The Elderon Chronicles, give it a try because I've had a lot of readers who tell me, you know, I really only read dystopian stuff, but I like you, so I'll read it. And they end up being really pleasantly surprised. They get sucked into this series because I think it has a lot of things that all my dystopian series have. Um, strong female lead, um, a little bit of steam, lots of action, adventure. Um, I like to describe Which is a Mountain Shadow as Charmed meets Gilmore Girls. So if you love small town stories, stories about sisters, or you just love magic, witchy, occult type stuff, it's going to be right up your alley. Ether Witch is available in print, ebook, and audiobook formats, and it's available in Kindle Unlimited for a limited amount of time. I will put a link to that down in the show notes. So I'm not going to give much of a life update this week because I want to get to our chat about Hunter's Witch. Also, though, <laughs> I don't have much of a life this week because I have been entirely consumed with the new projects that I'm cooking up for you guys, the biggest of which is writing the sixth and final book in Which is a Mountain Shadow. That book is going to be called Warrior Witch, and I broke ground on it this week, and it was, it felt so good. I love it anytime I get to crack into a new story, particularly when they're old characters that I know and love that I get to revisit. I don't know that I've really accepted the fact that this is the final book in the series, partly because it makes me sad to think about that I have to say goodbye to these characters, um, but also because I think it, it adds too much pressure because I think, oh, 
This is the finale. It has to be phenomenal. And that kind of pressure can be really detrimental to the creative process. So I'm trying just to stay present and treat this book like any other book in the series and really enjoy the process because I notice that when I enjoy writing something, those tend to be the best chapters and those also tend to be the parts that readers themselves really enjoy. One thing that's been a game changer for me in my writing process lately is doing a little rehearsal in my head of the scenes I'm going to be writing the night before. And this was something that I always tried to do a little bit kind of as a best practice, but I really have gotten strict about it because as many of you know, I have a five month old baby. And so my writing time is much more limited and I don't always get that first thing in the morning chunk of writing time as I did in the past, you know, back before I had kids, a kid, just one, uh, you know, I get up, I grab my coffee and I would go straight to my desk and start writing. But now that's not really a possibility a lot of the time. And so the night before I'll sit down with the outline and I'll really think through the scene and I'll take copious notes for myself. Sometimes I'll have a page of handwritten notes about a chapter or a scene and I'll kind of break down the conversations that need to happen, how the scene opens and closes, anything I need to work out. And that's really been helping me make really great progress on the novel. I think I have five chapters and a prologue written, so I'm cooking on it. That's good for me. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it for my writing update. I am working on another audio project, and I guess I can tease it now because I did record the first chapter or episode this morning. I am going to be recording Blood Ties, the prequel novella to Ether Witch, and I'm going to be releasing that as a podcast. And I think it's also going to be a season on another podcast, which I think this podcaster has gone public with, but I'm not sure. So I'm not going to share it, but that one is never going to be a professionally produced audiobook, And so I am going to read it to you and that will be available. I don't know when I'm thinking I'm going to release it weekly. And so I want to get a few episodes ready to go before I start that, but keep an ear out. I will let you know when that is launching. Okay. So what am I reading this week? This week, I am actually listening to an audiobook by my dear author friend, Lindsay Sparks. I am listening to her uh, book, Ink Witch, which is book one in the Cat Dubois Chronicles. That audiobook is narrated by Julia Whelan, and oh my gosh, it's phenomenal. So <laughs> I actually feel really bad about this because I started this audiobook months ago, like probably close to a year ago, more than a year ago, actually. Um, and I didn't get very far because I was pregnant and I was only listening to audiobooks before I fell asleep. But when I was pregnant, I was so tired that I would fall asleep the instant my head hit the pillow. And I had told Lindsay I was starting it and I just, I never like followed through and finishing it because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to fiction at night. And so last night, um, we had, we had had a little talk about, um, some new covers she's doing and we were kind of evaluating them and I was thinking oh man I'm, I'm such a bad friend I never even finished this book 
And so I started kind of casually listening to it while I was making dinner last night. I got totally sucked in and I kept listening to it in the evening. And then when my son woke up at three 30 in the morning, I was fully awake. And so I listened to it for another hour. So I'm like 12 chapters in and I'm really digging it. So I'll put a link to that down in the show notes. If you haven't read Inkwitch, I highly recommend it again. That's by Lindsay Sparks. So here we go. This is the time now for our little fireside chat about Hunter's Witch, book five in the Witches of Mountain Shadow series. So if you haven't read the book yet, you might want to stop the podcast now and return to it later. This is your spoiler warning. So here we go. I'm just going to dive right in. Of course, the biggest surprise of this novel um, is that Fiona is pregnant with Gabriel's babies, plural. She is expecting twins. And I'm so excited that people have actually read this book now because I feel like I have been sitting on this secret forever because I plot out the entire series before I start writing book one. And I always knew that Fiona was going to have a surprise pregnancy and that it would be a big, test of their relationship and it would kind of up the stakes for their conflict with the brotherhood. What I didn't know that made it all the more interesting was that Fiona would be pregnant at the same time that I was pregnant and I didn't know that she was going to be expecting twins. So it was really interesting writing about that big reveal for her after I had, you know, learned that I was pregnant because I feel like I, those emotions were still really fresh for me, kind of that, oh wow, I'm going to be a parent and what does this mean for my life, you know, and you know, Fiona's about my age, Gabriel's about my age, and so I can very much put myself in that position of thinking, wow, I'm still kind of in the prime of my life and that is everything that I am accustomed to is about to change completely. And so that was really special to be able to write that while I was expecting my son. Um, (laughs) I remember writing a lot of those scenes when I was bouncing on my birth ball and kind of feeling bad about it, especially when I was writing Gabriel's reaction, which I got kind of a little bit of feedback from one of my beta readers that that was really disheartening how Gabriel reacted. But as I talk about in the author's note, there is really no other logical way Gabriel could have reacted. You know, he is not the type of guy that ever wanted a relationship at all. And he definitely did not see himself becoming a father because he wasn't close to his, you know, the man who raised him. And he has always held this belief that his biological father potentially raped his mother. And so he also has this chip on his shoulder about being a hunter and hunters are born alone. They die alone. They're destined to be, um, abandoned by their mothers and forsaken by their fathers. And so he just, he has a huge emotional hurdle to get over before he can accept the pregnancy and be a supportive partner. And so, you know, he was never going to be like, Oh, well, that's sooner than we planned, but that's okay. Like we'll get through. Like that was just never how Gabriel was going to react off the cuff. And so if you read that and you kind of like, like 
ooh, felt gross about it. It's okay because I did too when I was writing it. I didn't feel good about it, but I just, I couldn't betray his character. I had to let Gabriel be true to himself and have his reaction. You know, he's not the type of person who thinks before he speaks. And then, you know, once he came to terms with it, he realized that he he would do this for Fiona. You know, it's it's not about whether or not he wanted a kid. It was the fact that he wanted her. And he kind of comes to this realization that he can learn to be a good father to his kid. Or, surprise, his kids. Uh, as I said, I did not know that they were going to be pregnant with twins. I only came up with that after the scene where Elias runs them off the road and, you know, they're in the accident. And I knew that it was logical for them to go to the hospital to get checked out because, you know, they were in this crazy accident and all these first responders came. I knew it would look really fishy if they just kind of walked away, you know, without a scratch or, you know, they had scratches, obviously Gabriel had a broken arm, but if they refused treatment, that would look odd. I also knew that with Fiona being pregnant, she would need to get checked out. And as I was writing it, I was thinking, everybody's going to have a knot in their stomach because they're going to think that I'm going to go to a really dark place with this and have her lose the baby. Um, but in fact, they're going to see the baby on the ultrasound for the first time. And I was like, Ooh, twist. <laughs> what if there were two babies that would just like, just throw this over the edge. And then when the idea occurred to me, I thought this is great because at the time I hadn't figured out what their child was going to be. Is it going to be a witch? Is it going to be a hunter? Is it going to be half and half? And I realized with two babies, I don't have to choose. I can make one a witch, one a hunter. I can do all kinds of crazy things. And so that was a fun reveal for me. The other big reveal is that, of course, Gabriel's mother, turns out, is the hunter in his lineage. He always assumed that his father was the hunter because, you know, most of the hunters he knows are men, and he knew that the man who raised him was not a hunter, that he was, in fact, a mortal. And so Gabriel, from the time he was very young, always assumed that the man who raised him was not his biological father. And he thought he and Wesley were only half-brothers, um, that's basically they had come to be born through this really rare but highly possible phenomenon called superfecundation, where a woman becomes pregnant by two separate men. And uh, so we always had this kind of grim possibility that his mother had been raped by a hunter, and he always had a lot of negative feelings around that, but then come to find out that his mother was a hunter. And there's another surprise with his lineage that I don't want to give away, but I'm really excited about it. So you have that to look forward to in book six. Um, but yeah, that, that was a big deal for him emotionally. And I wish, I wish at times that I had more chapters from Gabriel's perspective because I could feel how that hit him, you know, to find out that the man who raised him all those years was his biological father. And he didn't need to have that wall between them. You know, growing up, he always thought, you know, that Wesley was his biological son, but he was not. And so there was that distance. And of course, their father is dead. 
and he can't, he can't go back. He can't repair that relationship. He can't achieve that closeness with his father that he thought he didn't have. And so that was something I wish I could have explored a little bit more, but of course, this is Fiona's story, so I didn't have that chance. There is a chapter from Gabriel's perspective that I included as a release bonus for my patrons, and that is the scene that takes place directly after 24 when Gabriel finds out that Fiona's pregnant. He goes and talks it out with Wesley, so you can kind of get inside his head if you are a patron. That scene is available to you. The last thing I want to hit on is the kind of new world I've opened up here with the vampire clans and the werewolf packs. This was a lot of fun for me because of course Fiona is now, or excuse me, Eleanor is now a vampire and so she is kind of entering this world for the first time. She is really having to adapt to the vampire's culture um, because, you know, they have all these really rigid rules and etiquette that have to be followed when she is presented to the clan for the first time. We also learn about the dynamic with the sire relationship, um, how, you know, if a vampire is given a direct order by their sire, they cannot refuse it. So of course, Holden is Eleanor's sire and Sigrid is his sire. We also learn about the importance of that intact bloodline because the clan leader really needs to be able to command and control his or her vampires, especially in times of war, which we're about to see why that is so significant. Um, the werewolves, of course, are much different. And I had a lot of fun figuring out the werewolf biology because, of course, we meet Justin Teller, the alpha of the White River Pack, and come to find out that the man who raised him is not his biological father. And his history was really interesting for me to discover because I realized, you know, he has a mortal father who has terminal cancer. Well, the werewolf gene is nearly always passed through the man because, of course, women have a monthly cycle. And, um, you know, if they were to become pregnant, um, the wolf, they have to change every month to become a werewolf. And that's just that's too traumatic on the fetus. And so they generally cannot carry a child to term unless, and this is kind of some inner, inner knowledge within the werewolf packs. There are some women who manage to carry werewolf cubs to term by changing into a wolf and remaining in wolf form for the duration of their pregnancy. But that has some pretty serious consequences on their humanity because they're a wolf for so long, they almost forget how to be a human being. And so most of the time you have werewolf men mate with mortal women and mortal women bear their children who usually don't have their first change until puberty. That's how the werewolf biology works. But of course, with Justin Teller, his uncle is actually his father, if that makes sense. So his mother um, mated with um, the brother of the man who raised him because Gary, the man who has terminal cancer, and his brother come from a long line of alpha werewolves, and they wanted their lineage to continue, and so all of his sons were sired by his brother, the alpha, and that is how Justin has genes dominant enough to be an alpha werewolf. 
So that was all really interesting and soap opery <laughs> for me to work out. I really enjoyed that. And of course, we're going to see a lot more of the werewolf packs and the dynamics within those packs in book six. I had a lot of fun writing the prologue because I'm kind of having to get inside the head of all these alpha werewolves and figure out what their individual motivations might be. That was a lot of fun for me. So oh, I'm so excited to continue writing book six. If you haven't, well, I hope you've read book five because I just gave away all the spoilers. Um, if you enjoyed book five, please let me know. And also let me know if you have any questions you want me to answer about it um, or anything that you're excited about in book six for me to reveal because I have a list of all the open boxes, plot boxes that I've opened that I need to close up in book six. But, you know, there's always the potential for me that I've forgotten some things. That's it for our little fireside chat. We're about to wrap up here, but before we go, let's check the mailbox. This week, I am not doing a question from a reader. This week, I am sharing a comment I got on my Facebook page about Hunter's Witch because as a writer, I spend a lot of time in my little writing cave just plotting away, and a book takes months for me to bring out into the world. And sometimes by the time I do my beta reads and my it goes to my editor and I do my Patreon release and then my real release, it's kind of anticlimactic. And I, <laughs> and I feel like I did all this work and it's just kind of on to the next thing. And I'm really working on giving myself more credit and kind of absorbing flattery when I get it. <laughs> so... I had a comment this week on my Facebook page that was really sweet um, from Kelsey in Tennessee that I wanted to read on the podcast. Kelsey says, just binge this in a day. Loved it. Thanks for creating such an awesome world and story, especially juggling a newborn. Thank you, Kelsey. I don't think you can understand how much I appreciate that because it has been it has been a struggle <laughs> getting my new routine down with having a baby. Um, and I was so excited about this book. And so it makes me so happy when a reader gets in touch to tell me they enjoyed it. So thank you for that. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like for me to uh, read on the podcast, you can send your letters to tarabenner at gmail.com or you can post them as a comment on my Facebook page or my Instagram account. I am at author Tara Benner um, on Instagram and Facebook. It's just facebook.com forward slash author Tara Benner. You can also post them in our secret reader group on Facebook, Tara Benner's Reader Revolution. Um, just ask to be a member and answer the two questions and I'll approve you. That is all I have for you this week, readers, but feel free to stay in my cabin for as long as you like. It's a very chilly morning here in Colorado, so I'll put another log on the fire. We can drink some coffee. You can crack open a good book, hopefully one of mine, and I hope you all have a wonderful weekend.